Peace. Peace and Black Power family. This is your host, Raheem Shabazz, and we are here for another episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast. And today I have a special guest in the building, and I'm about to bring him on right now. Hold on one minute. All right, I'm here. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have the one and only in the building. And um, brother, it's always a pleasure to build with you. You know, you always have insightful dialogue. And um, one thing I could say is that you definitely a community activist making the necessary change that needed to be done in the community. And for those that are joining us and don't know who this man is, the brother name is Omar Wally. And he has a podcast, you know, several different podcasts um i know i was on the off topic going mm-hmm. off topic one um me and the brother chopped it up uh he has a documentary called the un-american dilemma and he has another initiative that he is working on so what we like to do here at necessary blackness podcast we like to highlight those that are doing stuff that's in the community that's helping the community and that's active in the community because oftentimes you know we talk about us not sticking together and what needs to be done but never is highlighted those that are actually on the ground and that's doing the work and and this is the brother right here man and i want to salute you man for all you do much respect so let's start it off i want you to tell everybody about the new initiative uh, about the food sovereignty in the South and what's that all about? The fight for food sovereignty in the South. Yeah, yeah. So first and foremost, bro, like I'm, I'm, I'm a storyteller. So with this project that we're working on right now, Hannibal, the fight for food sovereignty in the South, like I would argue that is probably one of the biggest stories of our generation and perhaps our lifetime. Um, and the reason why I say that is because uh, we in Black America are in a state of of crises, right? When it comes to food sovereignty, when it comes to uh, land sovereignty, right? There's been all types of conversation right now about like the global uh, food shortage that's impending that we know that's coming down the road because of like the crises, you know, with the, the fuel crises, the water crises, the fertilizer crises with Russia controlling so much of that um, particular market. Uh, that the U.S. government is now flat out saying that we as a country should be getting prepared to experience food shortages. And like, what does that look like for people that are pretty much 100 percent dependent on other communities to feed them? Right. We're 100 percent dependent uh, on the agricultural industry, the U.S. agricultural industry to 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 feed us. Right. Not many of us have like farms that can adequately you know, produce, you know, what we need to sustain ourselves, to to sustain our families and to sustain our communities. So uh, in this moment, we wanted to raise a a historical fight, um, a historical struggle through the medium of documentary, because for me, um, it's not just about providing people with information or just, you know, a historical feel good type of project. It's about giving folks both the the information and the inspiration so that, you know, we can facilitate their activation. Right. The goal is to get you active. Right. Get you, you know, boots on the ground into this movement for reclaiming the land and securing ourselves as a collective right here where we find ourselves. So that's that's the project. And we can get into the timeline of it and all that good stuff. 
Okay, now you mentioned Hannibal. What's the last name? Dr. Hannibal. So the project, we're, we're using uh, Baba Hannibal Tyrus F. Freak as the uh, centerpiece or the inflection point to tell the story. Oftentimes when you put together a documentary project, it's helpful to mm -hmm. have a subject, right, that can serve as, as the backdrop or the canvas to tell the story. And so now when you when you talk about Hannibal, are you talking about Hannibal from Carthage? No, I'm talking about Baba Hannibal the Freak from Chicago. Uh okay, give us a little history about that. So uh Baba Hannibal was probably one of the most serious military-minded uh warriors that Black America has ever known that very few people know about in this generation. I mean, mm. I didn't was, even know about him. Yeah. And that's the importance of this particular project, right? He, in terms of uh, the, dis the different institutions and movements that he's been involved with at the grassroots. I mean, literally everything from land sovereignty, food sovereignty, uh, survival, right? He, he created his own survival encampment down in Mississippi. Um, but even beyond that education, you know, for a while he led the um, CB, which is the Council of Black um, Independent Institutions, the Council of Independent Black Institutions, right? So our own education system. So across, I want to say four different movements Baba Hannibal serves as like the nexus point that like connects them all, you know? Mm -hmm. So when you, whether it's somebody like, you know, the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan who cre credits Baba Hannibal with helping him to find his purpose after the honorable Elijah Muhammad transition, or whether somebody mm -hmm. like, you know, Walimu Baruti or uh, somebody like, um, you know, Mama uh, um, um, Marimba Ani, like these people all, credit Baba Hannibal with being their Jegna, you know, with being their, uh, their, their leader, the person who gave them direction on, on, on the battlefield. And it's unfortunate that many people in our generation today really don't know about his story. And I think in some ways, I feel like he in his lifetime shied away from the media because, you know, and, and learning more about his story, I feel like he operated like a 21st century slash 20th century maroon. So if mm. you know anything about like the Maroons, our ancestors yeah. and, and how they operate, like that very warfare mentality, like it's not seen, everything is done under the cloak of darkness, but the seeds that he planted when it comes to our survival, when it comes to our independence, and when it comes to us reclaiming the land, there's no way you touch any of those pieces of work without seeing his imprint. So that's like how significant, you know, he was in this particular movement. And a lot of people just don't know. I need you to send me some information about him. Is I he on? Is, is there anything on YouTube about him? Like hearing him speak or anything like that? There's like one video on YouTube where somebody what is talking video? about him. Yes, I have a video because we went to visit his. Um, he has a survival encampment down in Mississippi um, mm -hmm. that he purchased in 1999 for the purpose of he, uh, teaching people uh, on the ground survival skills, like how to, how to survive, how to feed yourself. Mm -hmm. So we went to visit that uh, that encampment back in April, you know, just to do some fact finding. And we were able to get our hands on the last uh, public talk that mm -hmm. he gave before he passed away. So oh. I have that, but we're holding it for like the, the doctor, like we're not putting it. Oh, okay. I, okay. I have it but, but, there, but there's books and stuff like that. Have you written any books or anything like that? Uh, he has, he's written a lot. So, um, but it's, 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 it's a lot of like, he's, he's written a lot on reparations. He's written a lot on nationhood. So he's, he's a black nationalist. So you, you're going to find some of his texts, but 
it's one of those situations where this is somebody who was so, uh, you know, serious and so committed to our mm -hmm. fight. So you, you have to understand. And, and this is what we're doing with the project in terms of creating the timeline so that people can see where the different players, you know, enter. In 1969 slash 1970, you had this split, you know, within Black America, right? This is mm -hmm. like post-integration where you had the so-called notable civil rights folks who really abandoned the movement for freedom to integrate, you know, mm -hmm. within the system, you know, and kind of like get a seat at the table, you know, within the Democratic Party. So you had those folks, but then you had the folks who stayed in the field and chose to keep fighting and chose to keep building. And a lot of them were pushed. Malcolm and Martin. Absolutely. So Baba Hannibal was on the Malcolm side of the equation, stayed in the field, continued to fight, continued to work. And his works are significant. And the, and the reason why it's incredibly important right now, like you mentioned that I'm an organizer, a lot of the issues that we face today there's been significant work already put in on these issues. So we don't necessarily got to recreate the will. We just have to introduce this current generation to the work, to a lot of the battle plans, a lot of the strategies and get them involved in the fight. Like, so that's, that's really what this project is going to assist in doing. The blueprint is already written. It's already you down. Gotta follow it. The black print is already down. Yeah. I, I wanted to go to um, the black farmers, right? We know that Biden equity plan for black farmers was a failure. Mm -hmm. um, I seen you posted. I posted as well. Um, white farmers got significantly higher than black farmers, yeah. Hispanic farmers, Asian farmers. I think black was the last one. Like, like 15 million. Something, something minimal. White people got like a hundred mil. Something ridiculous. Yeah. We got it, like, yeah. it, it, it was, it was a, it was a big difference. And um, he didn't do what he said he was going to do. You know, there's several lawsuits against the United States government for what they did to black farmers, as far as giving them fake seeds and stuff like that. Is that something that's going to be covered in your documentary? Absolutely. As well? So it has to be covered because it's it's important for 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 our family to know, right? As of 1911, black people in this country had acquired 16 million acres of land. Mm. Right? As of 1911, as of 2017, black people on record, and this is 2017, so that's five years ago, on record only had 4.5 million acres of land. That's basically, we lost 90% of the land that we had control and or ownership over, right? And that, that 4.5 million acres represents less than a half of 1% of all the all the available farmland in this country half of one percent is what we had when it was last documented in fact the uh the first attempt to quantify the amount of that actually just uh, a report was put out in may of 2022 you can find this report on Reuters. the value of what we lost was damn near a half uh trillion dollars right wow. it was 326 billion was the value of that acreage that was lost. And so why is the USDA important in this in this uh in this conversation? Because they assisted because of their racist practices. Absolutely. Black farmers couldn't get the loans that they needed to keep their farms open. Uh white farmers could uh could get the loans because of the laws around like heirs property and things of that nature. The state essentially colluded with removing the land from our ancestors, right? And even As more they always do. 
even if you take it back deeper than that, because when we start the timeline of this documentary, right, the timeline starts January 12th, 1865, right? Mm -hmm. Why does it start then? Well, that's when uh, William T. Sherman, uh, his headquarters down in uh, Savannah, Georgia, right after the Civil War, called 20 black preachers into his uh, into the headquarters and asked them a series of questions. It was 12 questions that he asked these 20 uh, black preachers. But question three and question four are the most important. Question three was, how do you all want to live here in America? Right. And the answer was, well, we want to live off the land. If we got land, we can feed ourselves. We can take care of ourselves. We can, you know, we can get from the land all that we need to survive. That was question three. Question four was, well, and which way do y'all want to live? Do y'all want to live scattered among white people or do y'all want to live in colonies by yourself? And everybody at all 20, except one, I don't know who the one was, but all 20 answered like, we want to live by ourselves, meaning we want to live separate. So all 20 of those brothers who met with uh, William T. Sherman on January 12th, 1865, all 20, all, 19 of the 20 all said we want to live separate. And they all said that we require land in order to live three weeks following that 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 meeting is when field order uh, 15 was issued known as 40 acres and a mule right mm -hmm. so it literally starts there right the fight for us to feed ourselves another another piece of um history that we kind of like unearthed in our research um this is often hidden but between 1862 and 1870 so in that eight-year period or, uh during the reconstruction period Nearly 25% of our ancestors that were emancipated passed away due to illness and starvation. So this food conversation, this food sovereignty conversation is critical. And what happens is like the liberals come in and they try to finesse the conversation. They try to make it about food access, yeah. not food. Because food access and food sovereignty it's are two not different are, things. Are, exactly. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I, was looking, I was looking that up and it was talking about what's the difference between food justice and food sovereignty. Mm -hmm. Food justice is just providing food for the masses, making sure they have food, right? Food sovereignty is controlling the resources in your community, how yep. the food is grown, how it's distributed, and the food is amongst everybody. Yep. There's no government entity coming in doling out groceries or anything like that to the natives you exactly. control the resources you control the food and you control how it's distributed so that is a movement that should definitely be at the forefront instead of that food justice and they try to push that with you know we live in in certain enclaves and and um urban communities they call it food desert yeah you know the the, the whole entire world is a food desert to black people that don't control the resources of their community. Yeah. So that leads me to my next question, right? Once, what, uh, what is the pathway to food sovereignty for black folks? And what are the steps that we have to take in the beginning in order to rise at it? Because I know everything is done in steps and levels. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So if you ever saw my first project, The Un-American Dilemma, um, that that project was was meant to just to, to to do two things. The first thing it was meant to do was raise the level of political education among our people to the point mm -hmm. that we become completely disillusioned with the political status quo. Right. For me, it's not enough to say it's, it's not enough for us to influence our people not to vote. 
right? For me, you have to go a step further than that. You have to show our people why it's impossible for this system to provide you with any of the political needs that you require to survive. You have to help them to reach that conclusion, because then once they reach that conclusion, then the question becomes, well, if voting or not voting is not going to get me what I need, then what do I need to do? And that's where you could push them to organizing. It's about organizing the power of the black grassroots. So movement development, organizational formation, uh, revolutionary parties that are started for the explicit purpose of Malcolm always Malcolm X always said that revolution is about land. Like that's a complete yeah. sentence. That's a complete sentence. Revolution is about revolution land. Revolution and freedom is land. So at the end of the day, if you're talking about survival, if you're talking about true economic transformation of our people, then you have to raise their consciousness and get them organized in a manner to where the fight becomes about the land, securing the land, securing ourselves on the land, because you can't be food sovereign without land, right? Land is how you grow food. You know, I know they got all these, you know, aquaponics and all this, you know, Bill Gates is now growing stuff in labs and stuff like that. And for me, it's like, I don't even call that food. That's one of the, that's one of the benefits of being food sovereign. Because yeah. when you have sovereignty, you get to determine what is food. So for me, if Monsanto is giving me this, this so-called fruit that ain't got no seeds in it, then I have to question, is that food? You know, that's, oh, that's something modified. All. That's not food. Yeah. What, what, what is Because food has seeds in it. You know what I mean? So we, we got to be very careful with the definitions of things. You know what I mean? Because now he, Bill Gates can create this stuff growing in the lab and say, well, that's meat. No, that's not meat, fam. You understand what I'm saying? So for me, it's about getting our people, like I said, it's, it's providing them with the information and the inspiration to facilitate their activation, right? And the only way for us to be active and or to act is through organization, right? Through collective organization. So it's not enough for us to be angry on social media and venting and saying, well, we're not going to vote yet. Yeah, don't vote because there's nothing coming out of that. It's like you throwing, you know, it's you, 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 you throwing your energy, your political energy yeah. into an abyss that nothing is coming out of. So for me, it's about taking that political energy and using your African and, 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 and genius ingenuity and solving your problems. And the blueprint for solving our problems is already there. You just got to sit down and study it. And once you study it, you just apply the wisdom. And get it done. Yeah. Now you mentioned Bill Gates, right? And mm -hmm. we know that he is buying up land at, at, at a rapid pace, right? Mm -hmm. Unprecedented level of land ownership. And at the top of the food chain is Bill Gates, and he's back in Beyond Meat, and they're modifying the food. What do you think is going to come out of that? Well, Bill Gates is a globalist. So if you understand, um, what the globalists are looking to achieve, like everything points towards one target. You know what that, that target is, right? Yeah. They want to control everything. How, what you eat, what you think, how you spend your money. Everything that the globalists are involved in is a funnel that point that, that funnels the population through this funnel for lack of a better term for depopulation. Mm. That's the goal. Controlling the food, Controlling the, you know, the thing, you know, the, the, the jab, all of that, yeah. the, the gender thing, all, all of this is all tied in. So with, with the, with the globalists, them trying to get um, control over, over the, over the global food supply, this is another means of, of control 
over the masses so that you can get the masses to behave in a certain way. And ultimately, the desire is for their behavior to lead to a uh, massive decrease in our reproduction rates. So it's this. Yeah, yeah. I want to I want to stop you right there, right? Because I, I want the family to notice, right? Everything he's saying is a hundred percent factual and right and exact, right? Now I, I, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, and I'm like, Bill Gates, how old do you think he is? Like 58, 57? He's 58, 57, right? Mm -hmm. He got more years behind him than he do in front of him, right? And the, the globalists and what they do, this is a well-orchestrated plan that probably been planned out 200 years ago. And it's being fulfilled and it's being fulfilled. His plan to take over the food industry might not even be realized in his time. But he has other people that's coming behind him that's going to pick up the baton and make sure it happens. Yeah. So everything he's saying, we have to be on, on deck and we have to know that this is a systematic plan and we have to be strategic in how we fight it. Well, the, the, no, the CEO, the CEO of Pfizer, you are, you, you watch the clips from like the world economic forum. And I seen, I, I seen some of it. And I just recently, um, hear that he said that he's probably going to retire after, uh, Biden's uh, presidency, which is, in two more years, because you know he ain't getting the second. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, the CEO of Pfizer flat out said it. Um, at, at the recent World Economic Forum, he said by 2030 they think they're they're going to hit their population goals in terms of the rates of reproduction, so that it, that it puts us on a path to sustainability. You know wow. what I mean? That they, so they already feel they they feel very very confident. You know, like a uh, funny thing. Uh, last week there was an article that went viral online somebody uh, was digging in the, the the un the united nations chronicle mm -hmm. the united nations chronicle had published an article back in 2009 called the benefits of world hunger so because of all these food shortages that are happening around the globe and you hear them talking and all the news outlets now is talking about the food issue and the the prices of what food is going to be costing you know coming coming into the fall right because you know uh the, the article that i shared with, i mean the video that i shared with john boyd the 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 president of the black farmers association where he talked about last year um a ton of uh fertilizer had cost him four hundred dollars this year a ton of fertilizer costs twelve hundred dollars so the price has tripled right on fertilizer so if fertilizer is an input that goes into making your food and therefore that's a part of the cost that means the consumer is going to have to bear that cost when you oh, go yeah, to food in the fall. So yeah, 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 uh, your wheat, your bread, um, and any, and even you know, uh, the the chicken farmers, the produce farmers, like the the dairy farmers, the prices on everything is 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 wow. going up. But I say all this to say that like with all this conversation around um around starvation, around food shortages. Somebody went and dug up this article that was on the UN's website called The Benefits of World Hunger. It went viral on Twitter. The next day, the UN took it off their website. Wow. Yeah. Do you, do you have a copy of that article? I do. I do. I got a copy okay. only because... Um, you screenshotted it and downloaded it? No, I was down in Charlotte, and I was about to do a, um, a promo for the campaign, and I was going to talk about it. And when I went back to the website, they had deleted it. Mm. So I searched it, and you know who copied it? InfoWars. 
Uh, <laughs> Alex Jones' yeah. website. They can, so I, I, I snatched it off of his website and I got it in my email. So I can see and, and, and you know what? If that article didn't go viral and people didn't know about it, right? But they snatched it off of there and then put it out. The first thing people would say, ah, oh, this is a conspiracy. They exactly. always ask conspiracy theories when it was factual and the enemy put it on his own website. Yeah, yeah. Well, now they're trying to say it was satire. Well, it was if it was satire, why not leave it up? Why take it off your site? On their website, they're gonna put satire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Come yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. So listen, right? We know that um the fight for sovereignty, you can't fight without a movement, right? Tell people how they could join the movement and tell people how they can support your initiative and your cause. Right now on the hashtag that we rocking with is hashtag from freedom to famine. Um, currently, uh, we, we're slated to go to, let me see, I don't want to lie. Atlanta. No, we got 16 states that we're trying okay. to visit. And right now on the list is at 40 uh, potential um, interviewees, like experts, uh, scholars to, to interview for the project. So we're, um, we have on the slate, we got Alabama, California, D.C., Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Alabama, Michigan, Tennessee, D.C., Florida, Georgia, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Mississippi, New York, South Carolina, and Florida, and Virginia. So 16 uh, different states that we're trying to travel to to capture this story because it's a big story and right now we have close to 40 people on the interview list so we're trying to refine the list but ultimately in order to get this done there's production calls there's travel oh, calls yeah, absolutely right our, our just to just to just to put it in context last year i think imdb put out an article um in terms of how much it costs to shoot the average documentary right and the minimum is like 180 180k to shoot your average documentary that's a minimum and that's on a cheap end so we're trying to raise 70k to get the project done. We got 15 days left to finish off our Indiegogo campaign. Uh, you can go right to our Indiegogo. It's, uh, I'll drop the link in your private chat if you want to share it. Yes, yeah, so I definitely, I, I will share it. Go right to our Indiegogo um, and you can support today. Now, here's the thing. We got 15 days left. Right now, we had about 3,500 uh, raised. If we can get to uh, 15K, 15. If, you, if we can get to 15 That'll be enough for us to get um, the, sh the shots done in Atlanta and Chicago and D.C. and Mississippi, right? If we can get to 15K, we can cover those areas because Mississippi is right down the road. Atlanta, we just jump right on the road. But Mississippi and Chicago got to fly with the equipment. But I'm just saying if we can get to 15K, that's enough for us to just co cover those four locations. But at the end of the day, we're not stopping until we shoot every location because we got to tell the whole story. Yeah, and let, and let me let me say this to you, family. It's very important, right, that we support filmmakers, right? Because if not, someone is going to change the narrative and they're going to tell our story. And you have a movie that's coming out that's called The Woman. Uh, uh what is it? The Woman uh, King. The Woman King. Mm -hmm. I was going to say The Woman Queen because I'm not used to saying The Woman King. Exactly. Right. And when you look at the narrative of that movie, right, the four producers, right, you have your top-of-the-line producers and you have the below-the-line producers, right? Great people. The four top-of-the-line producers is uh, Viola Davis and her husband. The other two are white. The director's white, the other producer's white, the line producer's white, and the screenwriter 
is LBGT. I can guarantee you they're going to infuse a, a, a LBGT storyline in there. Absolutely. Right? Because this is Hollywood and this is what they do. Absolutely. Right? We are not controlling the narrative of our story when we have to go to them for money. But when we have individuals that can tell this story and in a manner, in a way that is accurate, we have to support them. So I want everybody, man, to support this brother, man, support his initiative. And we got we, 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 we got to support you. The brother already has a documentary out. So there's no question that he has the skill set to pull this off. But freedom ain't free, and it costs money to do this. Believe me, I yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're doing three documentaries. You know, it definitely costs money. So, my brother, in, in closing, is there anything else you want to add? Is there anything else you want to let people know? Yeah, man. Listen, if you can't feed yourself, you can't free yourself. You understand? So, like, Absolutely. this this. This is a this is a, a moment of urgency. Like this is a, a now moment. You know what I mean? This ain't a wait until tomorrow type moment. This is something that we have to get active on right now because tomorrow is definitely gonna be too late. Like, it was a sister that I interviewed, right? And she 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 it was a profound quote that she said, and I don't want to mess it up, but I'm gonna give you the gist of it, right? She was talking about freedom and how you know land is the basis of freedom, right? She said, if you involved in a movement and land is not the basis of what you're talking about or acquiring, then all you have is a study group. You don't have a movement. You mm -hmm. don't have an organization. You have a study group. If land is not the basis of what you're trying to acquire within your organization or within your movement, that's how serious it is. With land, not only can you feed, clothe yourself and shelter yourself, but you can heal yourself, you know, from the plants and from the herbs. And, and that's all we need, family. And that's why, you know, you, you talked about the um, millions and millions of acres that we, we lost. Um, I was able to secure 1.5, 1.25 acres. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it sounds like a, 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 a little amount, but 1.25, one acre is the size of an NFL football field. Yeah, so that's how big it is. Yeah, you can have you can have your main master house, you can have a guest house, you can have a garden, and you got so much other space to do other things with. Yeah, uh, so, so here's the thing: a lot of uh, a lot of our family, like my family, is from right outside of Savannah on my dad's side, and on my mom's side, my family's from Alabama. But a lot of our family still has land in the South. Mm -hmm. The problem is right now we losing. I think we losing a rate of like thirty thousand acres per year right now, mm -hmm. and a lot of it is due to like that. Or, or just, um, you know, just bad organization or, or, or life planning. It's like you pass away and, and without a proper estate, you know, just. Yeah. Th th there's a lot of reasons why we are losing land. So there's some things that we can do to kind of like turn the tide. But at the end of the day, I adamantly feel that the future of our fight for black power, like here in the United States, is in the South. So that's why, you know, that's why the documentary is the fight for food sovereignty in the South, because, you know, Booker T. Washington was like, yo, what are y'all doing? You know, casting your buckets where you are. Stay right here in the yeah. South. The South is where we stand our best chance to win and to establish some type of economic sovereignty. If we leave, we're going to be screwed up and Absolutely. we left. You know what I mean? So now it's like we got to return home. We, we got to correct that. 
We got to correct that. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Raheem Shabazz, and this was a very uh, telling conversation with my brother, Omawali, Africa. Um, I'm going to support you. I'm, I'm going to drop something on it right today before I forget, because it, it, if I don't do it today, it, it's going to be forgotten. And I'm definitely going to push this. I want everybody to push this. Get on social media, whether you're on Instagram, you're on Twitter, you're on Facebook. What's the hashtag again, brother? Hashtag is hashtag from freedom to famine. Now, I want to ask you that. From freedom, from freedom to famine, right? Yeah. Why is not from famine to freedom? Because so we starting at the beginning of the story. We tell them the untold story. Remember when I said that it's important for us to start uh, January 12th, 1865. And if you look at that, um, mm. if you look at that, that period of reconstruction from 1862 to 1870, we lost nearly a million people. Okay. Due to starvation yeah. and illness. Yeah. That's, that story hasn't been told. So when we talk about the fight for food sovereignty, it's a real fight. Like we were li literally fighting for our lives, fighting to feed ourselves. And, and, and you got people that's out here telling black people, that the uh, most crucial issue of the 21st century is voting. Nah, nah. Uh, you you starve and see if you be able to vote. You won't exactly. even be alive. Exactly. You know what I mean. So this is a very important topic, brother. And um, I'm sure other people are gonna want to discuss it. Other people are probably gonna want to hit you up and want to bring you on their platform. How could they find you? I'm here. You can hit me on. I'm at all social media: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Omowali Africa. My website is www.omowaliafrica.com. You can send me an email at info at omowaliafrica.com. So you can, I'm accessible. I'm real accessible. I, you can bet, I bet you ain't on TikTok. No, I'm not on TikTok. You can hit me on Twitter, Facebook. Or Inst all, Instagram is now like censoring me and I can't figure out why. Like I ain't, I ain't like said nothing crazy. Man, you're trying to feed the people, man. Oh man, this is getting ridiculous. You're trying to feed so. the people, but you know what? TikTok too, man. A lot of people downplay TikTok and think mm -hmm. it's a, 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 a dance uh, app. I think initially that's what it was, but we over there now, man. Yeah. We need to get on that now. Snap, I couldn't get with it, man. My yeah. son was on Snap. He tried to show it to me, and I was like, Nah, this ain't this ain't where it's at. I need I need a social media manager. I I can barely manage. What I like the social media I have right now, like I'm 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 barely I'm barely on there. Like I pop in just to doing a quick engagement on Twitter, but I, it's hard for me to even keep up with social media. It's tough. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the way of the world. So, yeah. all right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Raheem Shabazz. You are tuned in to Necessary Blackness podcast, and we're gonna see you next week, same time, same place. I got uh two individuals. I'm gonna shout out. The God Knowledge Born Alone, Nikki the God. Shout uh, out. Says, Peace Almighty, Raheem Shabazz, an African warrior scholar, Omawali, Africa, in the building. Peace, knowledge Born Allah. Yeah, Nikki the God yeah. said, Peace and blessing. Revolutionary salute to you, sister. All right, we out of here, black man. Peace. All right, peace. Appreciate you, bro.